I'm Miguel Ibarra, and you're listening to the Sound of the Loons podcast. morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast. I'm Steve McPherson. I'm joined by Callum. I nearly killed him, Williams. And here we are in the middle of a double game week, and I feel like my hair is on fire from all the stuff that's happening. Cal, what is your current level of carnage? Is it absolute, or is it is there a level higher than that? Uh, it's reached supremacy. <laughs> Um, you, you just said you nearly killed me. I nearly killed myself several times. Like this, I love I love being busy. I love. Um, being involved in a week like this where there's so much going on and you feel like you haven't got time to breathe. Uh, I love being busy. Yeah. But (laughs) this is a bit beyond, you know. This is a little bit bit crazy. But uh, having said that, I'm I'm very much enjoying uh, rather than enduring. Yes. But um, it's uh, (laughs) it's busy. There's there's busy and then there's two home games that are your second and third home games in a new stadium busy. Yeah, and then prior to that, an away trip at Toronto as well, which right, is crazy. Right, right. Yeah, you're, you're cramming in, this is three games in eight days, basically, mm-hmm. which is insane. So yeah. It's crazy um, for every, every broadcaster will tell you that three games in eight days, eight or nine days is, is busy enough. Yeah. But to then have it, it's our first television broadcast, let's remember, That's right, on Wednesday. it was ESPN <laughs> for the home game. The first um, home opener. Right? It is. So, yeah. And then we're, we're back on the radio for the game on Sunday against DC United, which is traditionally more work for me because um, I tend to do a lot of the editing and stuff. And, um, mm. uh, yeah, so it, it is pure unbridled carnage right now. <laughs> and uh, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I am uh, enjoying this tea. Cal has made me some tea, which we've discussed before. Um, after our my first experience with, with Callum's tea, I, um, I started making my own tea occasionally I this. at work, which is delicious, but it's not as good as yours. <laughs> this comes through years of experience. And um, I think the timing, your timing on, on steeping is just perfect. It doesn't need to be too long. No. It certainly needs to be in there a certain amount of time. No yeah. doubt. I, I, would, yeah. I would argue, and, and I've had this discussion with my grandmother many a time, it's between 35 and 45 seconds that it needs to stay. Okay. The bag needs to stay in. Okay, this is um, good. This is good information. And um, if you want to, depending on, on, on how strong you want it, you can push the bag onto the side. So obviously then more of it comes out. That's what I yeah. tend to do as I'm taking it out anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you drop in your milk and um, drop in your sugar if you so please, and, and away you go. Yeah. So, um, so there we go. I, I appreciate the um, 35 to 45 seconds because things like that are... are, are I love having those things. When I make eggs, I don't know if you're a fan oh, yeah. of eggs. Love some but, scrambled eggs. Uh, scrambled eggs are excellent. I I, got, I have gotten very good at uh, over easy eggs because oh. one of one of my daughters likes scrambled eggs. The other one likes over easy or egg with yolk, as she refers to it. <laughs> and uh, to get an egg with yolk correct um, is flipping it and then counting to twenty. And that's so I always do that mental math as I, you know, I flip it and then I'm in my head, I'm going one Mississippi two as I'm going over to get the plate and everything like that. So yeah, that you yeah. get, so it gets done, but not, you know, you don't want a hard yolk. You want a little bit of runny yolk, but not mm-hmm. undercooked. So it's got to be runny yolk, hasn't it? I, yeah. I mean, I'm a huge runny yolk fan. Uh, funny story. When I was a kid, 
I was a picky eater. Um, I'm, I'm a lot better now. I'm probably not as good as some people. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good now. Uh, I ate no vegetables when I was a kid. It was like, my favorite vegetables was like, my favorite vegetable is corn, like, which is not mm-hmm. hardly a vegetable at all because <laughs> you get no nutritional value from it. Uh-huh. Um, I would not eat salad. I would not, there was all, there was a whole list of things I would not eat. Kids listening. Don't listen to Steve. Eat your vegetables. Do we have a large kid? Is our demographic? Like, do we hit any of that? Like three to six, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but if we do, let's just cover our bases just in case. I want to hear from them. If there's any three to six-year-olds out there, um, don't worry, you're doing the right thing. Don't <laughs> so anyways, I uh, and one of the things I did not like was uh, egg with yolk. I wanted scrambled eggs. Also, I didn't want any brown on my scrambled eggs. It had to, you couldn't get any any. It couldn't. I like it now. Uh, no no char. No 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 brownness on those those scrambled eggs. So I liked the. Uh, that's what I wanted. I didn't want over easy eggs, but my mom liked to make a thing that she called egg and toast, which is amazing. Okay. It is very simple. What egg it is. Toast, yeah. yeah. You take a piece of toast, you make a, you make toast, you make an egg over easy. You cut up the toast into little pieces, you dump it in a bowl and then you dump the egg over it and you mix, mix it oh. all together. So it's sort of like dipping your toast in the egg, but it's all sort of done for you. Um, but this all this inevitably involves yolk on the bread, which is one of the best things about it. And I remember when I was a kid, I said, you know, mom, what's the, what's the yellow stuff? And she's like, it's butter. Just eat it. She, <laughs> <laughs> she was just like, just straight up lied to me, which is good. Good for her. Uh, she did the right thing. It yeah. was delicious. Well done to her. But that, that's interesting because I have a couple of eggy <laughs> stories as well for me. Oh, growing yeah. up as well. So I was the same as you. Okay. I never used to like the bit in the middle, the yolk. Right. I always used to like the outside white part. Mm-hmm. And when I was very, very young, I used to go on a Saturday morning with my mother and my godmother for brunch, and I'm talking when I was, you know, five, six years old. Okay. And I would eat the the white part of the egg, and my godmother would take the yolk out of the egg. Okay. Um, and then <laughs> on Christmas Day, a family tradition of ours is uh, my dad makes what we call in our household as eggy soldiers. Eggy soldiers. And so what it basically is, is it's a hard-boiled egg, but you keep the, the yolk um, liquidy. Yes. And so you cut off the top of the egg. It's like a soft-boiled egg. Like a soft-boiled egg, I yeah. That's the, 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 the term yeah. So it's the, the white is cooked as if it's yes, a hard-boiled yes, egg, right? Yes, okay. we okay. call it soft-boiled eggs. Yeah, you're right. Sure. Um, I got what you know. And, I, uh, <laughs> and then you would get the toast, and you would cut it up into um, into small slices, okay. and you would dip it into oh, the egg. into the egg. And thus, Eggy Soldiers. Eggy Soldiers. Fabulous. Christmas like Day tradition in the Williams Also, household. my favorite Bob Marley song is oh, Eggy well, Soldiers. There we go. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get that one. I think. I think my kids would be into that. They like the dipping. You know, they, we had Easter, and um, they did the egg hunting. They dyed eggs, and now we have a bunch of hard boiled eggs. Um, which my youngest's greatest pleasure in life right now is the egg slicer. You know, those things mm, where it's like a bunch yep. of wires, and he just cuts the egg up. He thinks that's the best thing. It is. It's amazing. I mean, it saves a lot of time. I mean, and you look at it, you're like, this is this is terrific. It's yeah. little slices of eggs. So, um, okay. First world problems. <laughs> a lot of we got a lot of eggs. We got a lot of egg uh, discussion going on so far. Um, let's talk about Toronto. I don't have a good segue. I was going to go with like a chicken and egg. Well, joke. where someone laid an egg, maybe or something. Like uh, that. Sure. <laughs> yeah, a couple people possibly. So, um, I've sort of gone back and forth on this a little bit. Um, I think that we were discussing this in my department, which is the digital department. We're talking, we do communications and content and things like that. Um, That was a game mostly where we played well and lost. There were some really, some real problems down the stretch there, obviously. Hmm. Um, 
and that sounds weird because those are huge, those are huge lapses. But, uh, you know, to go to Toronto and score three goals, I mean, Adrian says this a lot, right? It's like you would think you score three goals on the road, you know, against a, a tough team. Like, that should be, that should be enough. Um, and came from behind twice, you know, like took the lead twice. Is that right? Yes, I think that's correct. I'm still doing the math in my head. Um, <laughs> it's so few numbers, you think I'd be able to do that. But um, I, I'm all mixed up because I'm looking at the game coming up. And yeah, no, I know. don't, don't, I know. Um, and I don't know. I sort of, I find myself feeling two ways about it. On the one hand, I look at it like it's a loss in a season that is a whole season. It is... Uh, Toronto is likely to be one of the best teams in the league by the end of, of yep, the season. They will. Um, if, you know, they're, they're on the way there. Their defense is also suspect, I think. But obviously, Pozuelo, I mean, Altador being hurt now is tough. But Pozuelo looks like it, everything is advertised. Um, it, you know, a good accounting overall, uh, you know, Adrian Heath seemed f- fairly, he's like, there's some positives in there to take away. There's things we need to learn from. On the other hand, there's that little voice inside me that goes like, it's this, it's the same lapses. Like mm-hmm. we're always, there's always a moment. It feels like in these games that get lost where a lapse happens and the response is that can't happen. And then it happens again. What do you do with that? Well, look, what I will say is there's only so much a coach can do about this, right? Mm-hmm. Cause it's individual errors time after time after time. I spent a bit of time with Adrian Heath after the game. I had a glass of wine at the hotel bar and, and he was um, <laughs> perplexed is the best word to describe it. Uh, he was angry um, because he felt as though we should have come away with all three points. Mm-hmm. Um, individual lapses have cost the team again. And not only have we scored three goals against one of the better teams in the East, let's think about this. In the last two games, Steve, we've scored six goals and we've got one point. Yeah. It's obvious where the problem is. Right. I think Michael Boxall will put his hand up and admit his form hasn't been good. Um, Boxy is a professional. Yeah. And if he's not in the 11 um, on Wednesday against the Galaxy, I wouldn't be surprised. And and also not just because of his form, but because of the Wednesday-Saturday aspect of things as well. Wouldn't surprise me if we see a couple of changes. Sure. I mean, they're going to be forced into a couple of changes. Of course, yes. With suspensions and, and you know, lingering injuries. But. Yes, but it wouldn't surprise me if Ike is good to go, if Boxall does make way, mm-hmm. because he knows that that performance wasn't good enough. Um, I spoke with him at training, and he was just shattered. Yeah, he's... I mean, he was just, you know... It was rough. He said it gives him nightmares. He's like, he it's cares. one of the most embarrassing moments yeah. he's had in his career. And I he think, cares. You know, yeah. And I felt, I felt awfully sorry for him because he's a really nice guy. And I, I know what he's, everyone said, well, what's he doing? What's he doing? Wasn't he clearing the ball away for the fourth goal? I know what he's doing. He's, he's letting the ball bounce so then he can head it away and perhaps head it yeah. into Manone or we all know what he's doing. And, and it's one of them that if he erratically clears it away and it, it you know, falls to, somebody else in the box, everyone would be saying, why didn't he take a touch? Yeah. But because this bounced so awkwardly, he's tried to then head it away. His momentum's taking him one way, so he can't quite reach right. it he's, as well. He's going toward the goal, and the ball is going toward the goal, and he wants to get it not toward the goal. Yep. And, 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 and <laughs> it's Hamilton, an awkward situation. Yeah, so, and fair yeah. play to the young lad, Hamilton, who I thought was a, a, a right old pest when he came oh, on. I, I like him a lot. He's a good player. Yeah, he's um, fire. And, uh, you know, he's, he's done well to chase what, what a lot of players would have deemed a lost cause. So well done to him. Um, 
But look, uh, I, I got no problem saying this, and I said this on the post-game show as well. Um, if I get a slap on the wrist, so be it. Um, Francisco Calvo's performance was not good enough. Yeah. And it hasn't been all season, and he knows it. Mm-hmm. Um, the red card was erratic. It was petulant. It was not what you expect from your captain of your football club. Yeah. And that is not acceptable. Yeah. And not only now did he put his team in a, in a precarious position because it was 4-3. We were down to 10 men at that stage. You're going to press forward anyway because you've got nothing to lose and you can try and snatch something. Right. But when you get down to nine men, it's not as easy. Yeah. Um, and uh, I thought he put the team in a really bad situation there and, and also now moving forwards for the game against the Galaxy. We could really do with our best defenders to yeah. mark, oh, I don't know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you know? I mean... Um, he's pretty good he's not bad yeah. so uh, I, I thought it was utterly bizarre um, I, I know words were were had in the locker room afterwards as they should be mm-hmm. um, I remember going to speak to our, our player liaison um, to drop off my, my passport when we were in the hotel at Toronto uh, Angie Blaker who sorts out everything for us and w- without her we would be a million miles away yeah. from there's no <laughs> from team we are. especially no on the team. road without um, Angie and, uh, and I, I I walked into the team meal room and a load of players walked out and you could tell there was an atmosphere. And as I walked in, I just handed it quickly, my passport to Angie, and, and walked away very, very quickly because yeah. you could cut the tension with a knife. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because I think sometimes that can be that can be good for the team because sometimes things need to be said, right? Yeah. And I'll be honest, I think over the last two days at training, the mood has been quite good. Mm-hmm. And players are, are very focused, no doubt. Yeah. But... There was a bit of banter, there was laughing and joking, and the morale seems to be okay. So I actually think whatever was said probably cleared the air a little bit and and was probably the right thing to do. Yeah. Sometimes you need some teams. This came up with, um, I'm struggling to remember now which which team that I was reading this about. But, um, you know, just the makeup of, you know, teams are made of humans and humans operate in different ways. And groups of humans find their their level. They find their way that they collaborate. And some teams need an edge. Some teams want a little bit of bite internally um, to be their best. Some teams, you want a little more kumbaya. You want a little more like us against the world feeling. I don't know. I don't know what the right, I don't know what the right level is. I think that's one of the things that's, that's difficult. I, what, what the right level is for this team. I think mm-hmm. that it's different for every team. And I think that that's one of the challenges that comes along with a team that is new or that has new play pieces. Um, as this team did, even if they're talented pieces, it's like figuring out how you operate as an entire unit. Um, and maybe this is one of those, necessary moments of figuring out, you know, like what the leadership is, um, who, who holds, you know, the power in the locker room, uh, who should, um, you know, I think that I thought that, that Calvo's red card, especially in the wake of Jan's red card, yep. that was really the, that's really the moment I feel like for the captain to say, Hey guys, like let's regroup, let's yep. calm down, let's take it down a notch and then focus on you know, going down to 10 men is not a death sentence. No. it's It changes the game. It can change things in a lot of ways. Like, it changes the way the other team plays. They can get a little confident. Late in the game, if they're tired, they can start slowing down because they're like, we got this. 
it, it opens up opportunities. You need only look at, you know, like Atlanta two years ago, right? Who went down to 10 men and then came back yep. against us before we eventually won. You know, it, it, it just, it, it changes the equilibrium on, on the pitch. It does. And you, you can still have a fairly normal shape when you go down to 10 men as well. You know, yeah. if you're chasing the game, you go to, to three at the back and four midfielders and you're two center forwards. So like, it's okay. But when you go down to nine men, that's when it's like, right, well, our formation's what, yeah. completely gone now and, and we just have to sit back and, and not make this embarrassing. And, um, as I said, it was not very impressive from Mr. Calvo. And, and um, you know, I, I think uh, I, I'm interested to see who, who plays in his place um, against the Galaxy. Um, I know the coaching staff have been impressed with a couple of people in training. Um, obviously, uh, there's going to be a couple of adjustments. Yeah. So, um, and right now, I mean, there may even be a formation adjustment. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so I'm intrigued to see what Adrian Heath does on Wednesday evening. Yeah. Do you think at all, I was curious watching the game, if... Um, in terms of, I feel like, I feel like over watching Adrian Heath's teams over a couple of years, it seems like he likes to go with what's working. He's not like a quick to change up the formation, mm -hmm. put in a sub kind of, kind of guy. I did find myself wondering if at the point where you are up a goal on the road against a dangerous attacking team, if that might not have been the moment to start, like to switch things up, put in a Hassani Dotson or somebody like that to like plug a little bit more of the midfield. Um, I mean, it's easy to second guess, but it seems like, you know, Toronto moved first, they put in Jordan Hamilton and then it, he scored immediately. <laughs> and yeah. it was like, it was sort of too late to then do anything at that point. Um, I don't know. It, it, different coaches seem to play it differently. Sometimes coaches are like, well, we got what we want. I'm going to start changing this. Line up other coaches. I mean, I think there's wisdom in, in, in both approaches. Well, a lot of it is dictated on, on the game, right? Sure. So, I mean, Toronto FC, when they were 3-2 down, they were at home. They know they have to force the issue now. Yeah. So, I think bringing on Jordan Hamilton, um, he's obviously a very different center forward to, to that of Josie Altidore. Mm -hmm. um, and I know Altidore was on the field for, for a while whilst, um, whilst Hamilton was, was on, but... Um, I think obviously when you go with two centre forwards, then the threat becomes that much more aggressive. Um, potentially, if you're playing a four-four-two, anyway. Um, I think uh, a lot of it's on the coach and what they want to do. But um, I'm a big believer of there's only so much a coach can do. And at the end of the day, it comes down to the players. You know, I I uh, ended up watching back the uh, Kansas City loss to San Jose. Now, who on earth saw that coming? A 4-1 win right. for San Jose yeah. before the the uh, before the last couple of days. Um, and I was sort of joking with um, one of our staff members about this weekend as we were looking, as we were flying back to Minneapolis on the, the Saturday, we were looking at the fixtures and we said, right, well, we could do with victories here, 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 and here. Yeah. <laughs> and we pointed to uh, the earthquakes game and uh, they said, uh, well, you know, if by some minor miracle, San Jose beat Kansas City. And I said, just watch because the way this league works. MLS, extremely MLS weekend. <laughs> bet, and yeah. I said, I bet you San yeah. Jose beat Kansas City. Yeah. But I didn't expect them to be beaten in the manner in which they were. And knowing Vermees like I do, and watching it back now, you know, Beasley obviously got hurt early on, but he brought on substitutions before the hour mark and then straight after the hour mark as well. Yeah. That's not what Vermees does. So I yeah. think at that point he was, he was frustrated. He either got it wrong or the players weren't executing the plan that he wanted to. Yeah. I tend to think it's the latter and he had to change things quickly. So sometimes this, this happens. And, and so my, the reason I bring this up is because there's only so much a coach can do. And yeah. if the players aren't executing what they want, you have to make changes.
Yeah. And I think there's something to be said for a coach is hired to coach the way that they coach, which is a very, I keep saying, I mean, it's kind of repetitive, but, um, and if you don't have a core way that you approach a game, then what are you hired to do? Um, and if your approach is to say, I'm going to put in the best guys that I, I, and, and unless there's situations where like clear, you know, like injuries or certain plan things or like, I need to get a goal. And so I'm putting on, you know, like they want speed. So they put on a boo or somebody like that later on. Basically it's like, you're going to dance with the one that brought you, you mm -hmm. know? And if those guys had ridden out that, that game and held on for that win, that would have meant something to them. And without those lapses that would have happened. And it wasn't an entire, it wasn't a total breakdown until after those goals were scored. Right. And so if you, if you start second guessing that you start losing the team, if you have the team at all. Right. I mean that, so it can be, it's tough, but as you said, MLS super normal week, we were talking, I was talking about this earlier. Uh, the revs beat the red bulls yeah. as one would expect. Um, yeah. the timbers beat the crew after being terrible and the on, the, on the road. Really as well. Yeah. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was just an extremely normal week in MLS. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, um, it's, it's early. I mean, it I is. mean, we're getting we're getting to the quarter mark, I guess, in the season ish. You know, ish. But, yeah. Um, well, do, do you know the, the the one thing which which I would like to just touch on briefly, Steve, uh, talking about um, the Toronto game. Uh, again, I thought Angelo was really good. Yes, that is exactly what I was going to say. Angelo appreciation moment. Um, Telepathic communication. Between yeah, the totally. This is we're all we're dialed in here. <laughs> I don't have a button for. Uh, Angelo yet, but maybe we okay. We'll one. figure something out for sure. Yeah, maybe it's like a Conan the Barbarian type <laughs> thing or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, just just good hold up play. Um, obviously got his goal. Fabulous ball in from Metanel, and an equally as excellent header as well. Yeah. Just the placement was superb. Mm -hmm. uh, goalkeeper Bono got absolutely no nowhere near it. Um, so more of that from Angelo would be great. I, I still think, in, in my opinion, Angelo is not the kind of centre forward that's going to get you 20 goals a season. But if he pops up with a couple of goals here and there um, and ends up getting seven, eight, nine, then wow, great. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, but again, I thought he... Um, I mean, he drew that penalty. And that's one yep. of those things that's like, that doesn't show up in the box score. I mean, it shows up in somebody's box score for penalty drawn. But mm. generally speaking, that's, you don't see that, right? No, you don't. Darwin scores the goal and it's Darwin's goal, right? Yep. But it was like, it was there because of what Angelo did. Absolutely. So, you know. uh, and this is the one thing I will say uh, moving forward, because I don't think Darwin, I know he scored two goals, but I don't think it was his best evening either. Um, Better than NYCFC. Uh, correct. Um, but I, I want to see more from these two combining moving forward because yeah. they, they are good friends off the fields. They look very good in training on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. um, I'm assuming they're going to play. They're going to start. Um, I, I just want to see Darwin making some more runs off of Angelo. If Angelo is going to hold the ball as well as he has done, that needs some supporting runs from somewhere. And, and at the moment, a lot of the time, Angelo has got to go out wide because that run, that secondary run, isn't coming mm -hmm. from Quintero. And um, that, that's got to change quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that they're still trying to, I, I think that as, as Angelo gets more comfortable with that and, and the team gets more comfortable with him in that role, I think they have to start to develop more off of it. I think it's getting better in terms of his part of it. And now the rest of the team has to catch up a little more with some of, some of the opportunities that it provides. So uh, let's talk about the galaxy tomorrow, mm -hmm. little uh, team from Los Angeles. Um, we talked earlier when, uh, after that loss to LA, uh, the, the sort of midfield disparity, yep. how the, the galaxy managers sort of overload the midfield. Um, do you see Adrian making like specific changes to, to cope with that? Or is it more, it, I mean, obviously we're talking about possible uh, 
formation changes just because of the double game week and because of injuries yeah. and suspensions. There's a lot of things that could change that aren't necessarily directly related to that. But how do you see them coping with with that problem that the Galaxy presented last time? Well, it wouldn't surprise me if Adrian does go to a 4-3-3. I don't think he will, but it wouldn't surprise me if he did. Sure. Um, obviously, Jan Gregus is, is suspended. So, um, you know, you would obviously have Alonso in there. Rasmus Schuler, I'm assuming, would go inside. And then the other one is interesting. Is it Lawrence Olam? Is it Hassani Dotson who comes in? You know, that, that wouldn't surprise me if he goes with a 4-3-3 because I think the the central trio for the Galaxy um, of Corona, Leggett, and Jonathan Dos Santos, they're such high-energy midfielders. Mm -hmm. They complement each other so well. Um, I think Dos Santos so far is having a fabulous campaign, probably yeah. one of the, the best since he's come in. I, I know he's only been here prior to this season for, for 18 months or so, but I think it's the best he's looked in a Galaxy jersey. Um, and I don't know if that's because there's been a bit of pressure relieved because of the other two central midfielders. I don't know. He, he does a lot of the relieving of the pressure for the other two anyway, but mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I, I really don't know. But um, uh, <laughs> obviously uh, the big man up front is um, he's having the time of his life right now, isn't he? You know, it's seven yeah. goals in five games. Yeah. Um, and I think I, I saw it. It's... It's um, he 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 is just such an absolute nuisance. Whether he drops deep, whether he toes the line, um, I, I asked Adrian the other day, how on earth do you do you deal with him? How do you prepare for this? And he said, you just got to try and keep him out the pox as much as you can. Yeah. Um, and, and then even then he can strike the ball from from range. So yeah. I mean, he's Zlatan is one of the most complete players I've ever seen, mm -hmm. and I still think Steve he could play in the Premier League as well. Mm -hmm. Um. And I was chatting to uh, an ex-colleague the other day back in England who, who very much agreed and said the same. Yeah, I said, yeah, I completely agree. He could still play in the Premier League. Obviously, he nearly went to AC Milan in the off-season as well, um, which in itself tells its own story of how, how good he is and how well-respected he is around the world still. So um, he's the biggest threat, no doubt. Yeah. Um, they've got some good players out wide. I, I don't think Alison Green is going to play because of a little knee niggle. I think the Galaxy are going to be careful with that, to yeah, my knowledge. Yeah, they got knowledge. two games, so. um, Atuna. The boy on loan from Manchester City uh, looks like he's doing well. Yeah. Um, I thought he was a, a real pest when we played them at their place a couple yeah. of weeks ago. Um, so they have threats all over the field. Um, you know, I thought the fullbacks were very dangerous when we were there as well. I thought Rolf uh, Felcher um, and Shkelovic, um both, yeah. um, they, they press forward. They really press forward. Yeah. And for me, Steve, that's the best way that Minnesota can get in behind the Galaxy is again through the wide areas, you know. But again, a lot of that will come through the hold-up play of uh, Rodriguez, can he find Alonso, who can then perhaps play it onto one of the overlapping either fullbacks or the wide players if they tuck inside, or who, who knows? I mean, I, I think that's that's a really positive area for Minnesota United. Yeah. The, I was talking to Brent Coleman earlier this week, and um, he was saying about Zlatan that obviously he's big and he's a threat. You try to keep him off the ball. But if he drops back to receive it, he's also got the wherewithal to, to ping it forward to somebody who's coming around the edge. And they, like you said, they have three very active midfielders who like to get forward. So that's a problem because you spend too much time paying attention to Zlatan. The other guys will get you. Yeah. Um, that's why having a guy like Zlatan, I mean, that's ideally what you want, right? As a player who's not just threatening, but who it, it sort of has their own gravity and pulls every pulls the game towards them because then that opens space in other areas of the oh, yeah. pitch. So, um, well, so Chris, yeah. Chris Pontius was the recipient of that when, when yeah. we played them at their place. You know, I thought Chris Pontius... Um, you know, I know Zlatan didn't play, but but obviously they, they still were very much um, within that mindset and yeah. uh, had a lot of other players attracting a lot of attention. And 
in the end, Chris Pontius was able to, to find the space and score. So, um, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he played on the right-hand side. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's a good player as well. So, yeah, I mean, more than anything, Steve, I'm just really looking forward to an entertaining game. Yeah. I think this will be high-scoring and high-entertaining. Yeah. And I'm just so, so excited to get back to Allianz Field. Yeah. Although the Galaxy's defense has been really good um, after not being very good. It's improved big time, um, yeah. Yeah, which is which is impressive. I mean, they're I think they're tied with LAFC. For allowing seven goals so far. And now everybody's played a couple different games, mm. number of games, right? So they'll catch up this week because they're playing a double game week as well. But, I mean, is that, I feel like a lot of that has to be go to the coach because it's not as if their personnel changed dr dramatically. Well, um, well, they are a lot tighter under Scalotto, no doubt yeah. about it. Yeah. A um, lot more defensively disciplined. But but also, let's not forget, uh, for the majority of last year, they were playing with Daniel Steres and uh, Dave Romley at centre-half. Sure. Both USL type centre-half, so I'm all for lower league players coming up and having an opportunity at MLS level. Any league in the world, I'm, I'm all for that. Um, and they did. They both played um, the majority of the games last season, but I just felt as though they lacked a little bit of quality at centre-half. Sure. Um, and maybe this is, again, why, why Dos Santos has looked good as well, because he's got the he's got a lot of um, a lot of protection behind him as well. Mm -hmm. I think um, you know, Polenta, it took him a couple of games to get into it. He was absolutely atrocious the first two games he played. Sure. Um, and then he improved. Then he got used to the way that the Galaxy play. He got used to the physicality of Major League Soccer. The big question now, Steve, is I wonder if there's going to be a first start for Giancarlo Gonzalez, player who they've brought over from Bologna in Serie A in mm. Italy. Mm -hmm. Had a season with Columbus Crew. Prior to that, he, he won titles in Norway with Valarenga. Um, played for Alajuelense in Costa Rica as well. Say that again? Uh, Alajuelense. Uh, <laughs> Good job. And... Um, he, uh, after he left Columbus Crew, he went off to uh, Italy and, and, as I said, has uh, has done well. Um, Palermo and, and Bologna have been his destinations for the last uh, last four or five years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, playing at that level consistently, you've got to have something about you. Yeah. And he's at a good age. He's 31. Um, he'll provide some experience. He played all three games at the World Cup for Costa Rica as well. Mm -hmm. um, started all three of them. So... Uh, it's a big centre-half. It's a big signing for them. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if he started against Minnesota on Wednesday. Yeah. And as you said, second game in Allianz Field ever. Yep. I'm a little more... I feel like I'm almost looking forward to it more because the other, the other, the first game just felt like it was coming at you at 100 miles an hour. Well, it was the epitome of carnage, wasn't it? Right, yeah. yes. And, <laughs> and, and I think that I was looking forward to the day almost more than the game. You know, it's like the game sometimes gets a little lost and all that. So I'm mm. looking forward to... I'm looking forward to just understanding the feeling of a game there. Like an like like any game, right? And that you it it begins to have a feel to it because mm. it's the kind of thing that I think if you're in a, a place you know all the time, maybe it, it disappears a little bit to you. But if you when you travel and you go to you know other other stadiums, you're like as soon as you walk in, you're like this is the feel. Like you know you can't you're not going to put it into words exactly at the moment, but it's like you get a feel. And I'm looking forward to to beginning to sense that feel at Allianz mm. Field. And I think the players are too. I mean, I, everybody I talked to so far was like, yes, kind of glad the hoopla is not there. Maybe just yes. a little too much adrenaline in that first game. Uh, a little too exciting for everybody. As exciting as it was to watch. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> A little uh, too exciting. The players would prefer to, you know, they, they're fine winning 2-1 or 1-0 or something like that. Yes, so. but 3-3 three, three was, uh, it was as crazy on the field as it was off the field. But yeah. um, well, also on the subject of Allianz Field, Steve, I, I don't think we've had the chance to talk about this. Um, you know, for, for you being here for so long, being in Minnesota for so long, is there a, a moment that you can share with us that, that really you kind of thought to yourself, wow, this is amazing? Or, or uh, you know, what, what, was there an emotional moment for you when you kind of felt attached to what was going on around you? I mean, what, what stood out? Well, I think I, um, 
I think I talked about the national anthem uh, the last time around. And that was, that was a moment of, that was sort of a nice moment of repose in the middle of the craziness that, that I, I got a little, I got a little trill of feeling out of that. And I can't remember if I talked about this or not, but I, I thought that actually one of the most satisfying moments was when we we're done and the whole place was empty and I was finishing up the recap and the recap was done and I was waiting for something to upload or I was waiting for something, a quote to come back or something. And I was just sitting there looking at the empty stadium as I'd looked at TCF so many times um, and just thought, but this is ours, yeah, you know? And it was just uh, the things, and maybe this is a, maybe this is a parent thing. I don't know. I think that one of the things about being a parent is you find yourself, I feel like you find yourself chasing exceptional experiences less and appreciating everyday experiences a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's, maybe that's just getting old cause I'm getting <laughs> old, but um, you know, like it's, you still want to do great stuff. You still want to go on trips and see things you've never seen before. You want to share that with your kids. You want to, you want to be the the first person that you want to be, you want to see a show you've never seen before. You want to do like, I mean a concert, not a TV show. Right. Although that is something that parents do a lot too. Um, you want to, you know, you want those experiences for sure. But you know, I think you, as a parent, you just get those little moments with your kids of your kid, just being a person. And that's one of the great things. And that was kind of what I felt about Allianz field in that moment of it's, it's a place. It's a building. It's going to be here all the time. We're going to be here time in and time out. Uh, we're, we're, we're going to see it. You know, it, there's going to be good wins. There's going to be bad losses. There's going to be bad weather. There's going to be good weather. There's going to, you know, there's all that stuff. And it's all like in front of us. Yes. And I think that really sort of hit me at that moment. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to get down to work here. So. And that's the most beautiful bit about it, isn't it? Is that we have now this place to experience all of what you've just said to us there. Yeah. Um, uh, and forgive me if I've already shared this. I can't remember. My, my brain is totally cooked. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> there was a moment that I will never forget. And, and you know, as, as I said before, I've been f- into a lot of stadiums, seen a lot of uh, arenas erupt before and very, very special moments. Um, but this one stands out because, again, uh, you know, speaking to so many people over the last two years and, and really over the last few weeks and, and understanding how much it means to people here, I'll never forget when Alonso scored the first goal. Yeah. And I've gone appropriately bonkers. And I, I can't remember if it was just before um, I started talking again after I'd screamed Alonso's name or afterwards. I really can't remember because I essentially blacked out. <laughs> um, but I remember there were two things. In front of us in the commentary booth, we have uh, a certain section of fans that, that sit there in the, the stadium club level. And I remember right in front of me, there was what I'm assuming was a father and a, and a young lad. And the young boy was in his father's arms. He jumped up into his father's arms and was punching the air with utter joy. <laughs> and I could see like the veins popping out of his neck. Like, he was so happy. And I thought, that's, that's this little guy's hooked. Yeah. This is wonderful. This yeah. is growing the game right before our very eyes. And, and I thought, what a, what a marvelous moment between that father and son there. And that's something that they will always talk about for the rest of their lives now, yep. um, that very moment. And then I, I couldn't help but think this is going to be their lives now moving forward for a long time because no doubt they'll go to games together for the next, you know, 10, 20 years, whatever. Yeah. And, and the other one was slightly to the right-hand side. I, I saw a couple who had sort of older Minnesota United stuff on. Um, one had like a zipper jacket type thing and, and it looked mm-hmm. like it was it was from the early Minnesota United days and, and his 
partner had a thunder, I mean, a sort of thunder zipper on. So right. obviously they've been watching the team for a long time. At least that's the assumption I have when I see that. And again, I just remember slightly looking to the right with the stadium just in absolute <laughs> just joy. And, um, you know, I, I've never seen a stadium explode like it. Um, and then, as I said, these, these, this couple just threw their arms around each other and they were in floods of tears. Yeah. And I just thought to myself, that no other sport can give you this. Yeah. No other game in the world can give you the emotion that these people are feeling right now. And now we have a place to do this on a regular basis, you know, and it, and it got me, it really did. And, you know, it's, it's such a perfect time to be involved in Minnesota United and Major League Soccer right now. And it's, it's an honor and a privilege to be here. Um, and, and I can't help but, but say well done and give a, a firm pat on the back to everybody who believed in this when, when it was difficult to, yeah. you know, and, and yeah, so many sure. people, um, they gave a lot, you know, and, and now it's here and now it's here to stay. And, um, you know, that, that moment I will never, ever forget. And, um, you know, this uh, this is something so very, very special here. Yeah, and we get to look forward to I mean, it, we can't really, we're not going to do another podcast before the D.C. United game on Sunday. Um, but just to touch on, just to, just to pause for a moment mm. and go back however many years, I don't know, I, I mean, <laughs> anytime beyond two years ago, <laughs> and say Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Wayne Rooney are going to be in St. Paul in a soccer-specific stadium in one <laughs> week. Like, in, within one week, not playing an exhibition, but playing a hometown team. It's kind of crazy. It's um, it's beyond a dream, really, isn't it? <laughs> um, but it's where this league is going. Yeah. It, it's, it's the norm now in American soccer that you have a stadium like ours and you have the players of the caliber of Wayne Rooney and Zlatan Ibrahimovic on a regular basis. This is just the way this league is going. And... Um, the one thing which I'm excited about more than anything, Steve, is that there's only one way this league is going to go as well. It's only going to get bigger and better. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, it's it's just so fabulous that Minnesota United has, has found its place in it. Um, and uh, it'll, it'll be there for a very long time. Yeah, it's... Um... I, I think that, and this sort of circles it back to the top of the, the conversation where it's like, you know, any game at the, at the end of the game, you think about a lot of the little things and the mm. little things are going to have to change. And, you know, how do you make adjustments and is this going in the right direction? But, you know, you remember that this is, this is years and years and years and years. And this is like, this is just a moment we're all on this ride <laughs> of going through it. If, you know, the good things and the bad things and all of it. And that a lot of these, a lot of people who are huge fans of Minnesota United have endured doubting whether the team was going to survive, you know, like uh, uh, whether its predecessors were going to survive, they've gone through its predecessors, not surviving. Mm. Um, and it's a long road. And you think about, you know, teams in the, in, in the premiership that are, you know, 150 years old, yeah. things like that. You know, it's like we're in for the long haul, you know, <laughs> like it's, it, it's a long trip. Enjoy the journey. So anyways, everybody, thanks for joining us for the 54th Sound of the Loons podcast. Minnesota United's next game is on Wednesday, April 24th at Allianz Field against the LA Galaxy at 7 p.m. Central Time. You can watch that game on Fox Sports North Plus, I think, right? Yes. Okay, plus. thank you. Sometimes it's hard to keep track. <laughs> you can listen on Score North. Uh, be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliamsCom and me at Steven. 
adventurous. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are.